Welcome to New Life Assembly of God Media Ministry. We are glad that you are here. We believe the Word of God is relevant and life-changing, and we hope you can be blessed by this message. Amen. If you'll take your scriptures in hand and turn with me to Ezra chapter 7, we're going to be reading verses 23. We'll also look at verse 27, but we're continuing our vision series for this year titled Heart for the House, and this morning's message is titled I Love the Church. I Love the Church. I read a powerful testimony titled I Love the Church Because the Church Changed My Life, and it was a 16-year-old girl that wrote Everyone around me was raising their hands and singing the words on the screen, except me. Should I sing? Should I raise my hands like everybody else? None of it made sense to me. I didn't grow up going to church, and any time I did go, it wasn't a place like this, where it was evident that people actually wanted to be here. They seemed genuinely excited about what was happening during the church service. My public high school teacher, knowing that I had no relationship with God, let's give a handout to our public school teachers. Raise your hand if you're a public school teacher. Amen. Praise the Lord. Let's give them a hand. Amen. God has placed you in a pivotal place, amen, where you can be a light in darkness. The girl writes, my public high school teacher, knowing I had no relationship with God, invited me to attend church with her family. I didn't give my life to Jesus that Sunday. Truthfully, I felt uncomfortable at many different moments during the service. But what she did after I attended is my story of how the church changed my life. Before my teacher took me back home that day, she invited me to go to lunch with her family. I was honored and slightly confused. Why did she want me? to go to lunch with her family. But to my surprise, I enjoyed it a lot. It was refreshing. They laughed and it was evident that they loved one another and enjoyed being with each other. We didn't talk about church at lunch. We just spent time getting to know one another and they made me feel accepted for who I was as if I had already become a part of their clan. Before I left to go home, Carrie, my teacher, asked a couple of questions about my experience with them at church that morning. And we talked for hours on what would become the roller coaster journey of a messy 16-year-old eventually committing her life to Jesus. Following that Sunday, Carrie and her husband opened their home on Monday nights for me and for my friends, wild teenagers who had never been in church. For the next two years, they fed us, played games with us, and led a simple Bible study on how to have a relationship with Jesus. She goes on to say, the church changed my life because they never gave up on me. They loved me through my mess, and finally, after two years, when my 18-year-old self was ready to give my entire life to Jesus, I knew exactly who I needed to talk to, and it changed the course of my life. Folks, this young person later experienced a call to ministry, went to Bible college, got married, 
and serves as a youth pastor, all because the church, the people of God, people just like you, touched her life, and God changed her through that. When I think of what the church has done for me, I picture in my mind the buildings, but I'm not really thinking about the buildings where I attended. I think about the people who invested in me. I think about the fact that I got saved at the age of 11, but I couldn't go to church because I had no one to carry me there. At the age of 15, I graduated high school early and I enrolled in a local university that was Methodist in its affiliation. I had already been called to ministry, wanted to go to Missouri to attend Assembly of God College, but because of my age, my father wouldn't let me. So I enrolled at Oklahoma City University and uh, Assembly of God youth pastor, because I had never been attending on a regular basis. I'd gone to a revival, but I had never attended on a regular basis in Assembly of God Church. But I knew because I was filled with the Holy Spirit, having never attended an Assembly of God Church, I was filled with the Spirit in someone's living room who touched my life. And I put on my application for that college, my church affiliation was Assembly of God. And a youth pastor in the area from an Assembly of God Church named Greg Tiffany and his wife, they every year would go to that college and get any of the names that put down that they were Assemblies of God, and they would contact them and invite them to come to their youth ministry. So he called me and invited me to come to church and to their youth ministry, but I told them that I had no way of getting there because my parents were not serving the Lord. And so they committed for the next several years to come and pick me up and take me to church. It was under their leadership that I began preaching at the age of 16 in their youth ministry. I am so grateful for Greg Tiffany and his wife. I also think of Pastor Pogue, a wonderful elderly saint of God who's gone on to be with the Lord now, but he was my senior pastor in Oklahoma. And I think of Pastor Martin Luther Davidson, who was my pastor here in Miami. And I think about the incredible spiritual influence that they've had on my life. I think about Sunday school teachers that I had as a young person. One of my first Sunday school teachers here in Miami when I was a young adult was Carl Holmberg. And, and I just think of how he loved us as young people. He was older, he was in his 60s, but he loved us as young people. He supported us, he encouraged us in our journey. And it's easy for me to have a heart for the house of God because the house of God had a heart for me. Amen. It embraced me, Amen. loved me, yeah. discipled me, yeah. and helped me to get where I am today. And I feel a passion for God's house because of what it has meant in my life, not as a pastor, but before I even became a pastor. And the book of Ezra talks about how the people of his day had a heart for God and for his house. Now, when I talk about the house of God, it's more than the building. It represents the people of God. It represents the mission of God. It represents the church, the work of God here on earth. The church is the agent of God to bring the hope of Jesus Christ to this city and to the world. Jesus is the hope that the world needs. And when we realize that and embrace the vision of what he desires to do through us, through his house. We are his house, his dwelling place here on earth. We are his temple. 
When we understand that and when we embrace that, we will become agents of transformation for his kingdom in our city, in our neighborhood, and at our workplace. Read with me, if you will, Ezra 7, verse 23. A lot of the book of Ezra talks about the return of the Jews back to Jerusalem and Judea and, and to re- how they began to rebuild the house of the Lord. And in Ezra 7.23, it says, be careful. Turn to your neighbor and say, be careful. Okay, turn to your other neighbor and say, be careful. That phrase, be careful, means to take care, to pay attention. Okay, so it says, be careful or pay attention to provide whatever the God of heaven demands for his temple. Now, that word puts us off, doesn't it? Demand. That's a a strong word. But it tells us something. It tells us that God requires more of us than just showing up. I'll let that settle in for just a moment. God requires more of us than just showing up. We have to have a vision for what God desires to do in his house. A vision that brings life. A vision that is beyond who is here right now to what God desires to do to reach many more souls in this area. We need to be careful because some versions say diligent. We need to be diligent. This is the attitude that we need to have towards the vision that God has given for this house. We need to be diligent. We can't be just que sera, sera. Whatever will be, will be. It'll just happen. No, we need to be diligent so that God can work through us to fulfill his vision. We need to be careful. We need to pay attention. We need to diligently act and diligently work and diligently serve and diligently pray and diligently give to accomplish all that God desires to do in this, his house. Now, God was already working in the background for his house to be built, providing what needed to be built, but there was still a part the people had to play. Now, the way God was working in the background is that he had moved on the heart of a man named King Cyrus. He was a Persian king, a pagan king. But God moved on his heart to let the Jews return back to Jerusalem, to give them permission to rebuild the city and rebuild the house of God. And not only did he give them permission, he issued a decree that their travel expenses as well as everything needed to build the house of God would be provided by the royal treasury. Are you hearing that? The Persian treasury. That, That would be like the United States treasury praying for us to build our building. We know that ain't going to happen. But anyway, um, God moved on the heart of this pagan king and says, you know what? The Persian treasury is going to pay for all of this. Hallelujah to the name of the Lord. So read with me Ezra 7 verse 27. Praise be to the Lord, the God of our ancestors, who has put it into the king's heart to bring honor to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem in this way. So here's God. He's providing everything, right? But you know what? 
the temple wasn't going to build itself. The people still had to give. They still had to work. They had to labor. They had to make the house of the Lord a priority in order to rebuild it. So you know what? What that tells us, God will provide as we act in faith and do what he's calling us to do. And, and that heart, the same heart that this pagan king had to honor the house of the Lord, the same heart that this pagan king had to see that the house of the Lord be rebuilt, we all the more as the people of God should have that heart for the house of the Lord, should have that heart for the mission of God. And I want to look at, at, at what it means this morning to have a heart for his house. When we have a heart for his house, we understand that we exist for those outside the church. Come on now. When we have a heart for the house, we understand that we exist for those outside the church. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist for the world. A heart for the house understands the church is not about me. It's not for me. I am the church and I am here for the world. God is sending me into the world. We come here to be encouraged. We come here to be strengthened. We come here to be equipped so that we will go out and reach the world. And so when we have a heart for the house, it means that we have eyes to see lost people. We see people who have gone some of, through some of the same experiences and struggles that we have, but we see that they need Jesus. They need to, to see and know Jesus the same way we have come to see and know Jesus. When we have a heart for the house, it means that we have a heart for the lost. And it makes us want God's house to be a priority, not just in our life, but in the lives of others as well. When we have a heart for his house, we have a heart for people because the heart of God is for people. When I was undergoing cancer treatment seven years ago, and praise God, he healed me from stage three cancer when the doctors gave me little to no hope, hallelujah. I always have to give him glory for that because I know that if it were not for his healing hand, I would not be here today for his glory and honor. When I was undergoing cancer treatment, every time I went for chemo and every time I went for radiation, and I was in chemo and radiation for about six months, uh, chemo once every three weeks, radiation every day for uh, 36 treatments. But every time I went, I had opportunity to minister to other patients and staff. I have never sensed such openness to the gospel. There was not one time I went for treatment that I was not able to talk to somebody about Jesus and pray with them. But as I went, I had a deep sense that I was not there for me. I was there for them. And I shared this with you when I came back from my treatment, and I said God had me there as an undercover agent, an undercover missionary. I couldn't get into a chemo treatment center. I couldn't get into a, a, a cancer wing of the hospital if I just showed up and said, hey, I'm a pastor in the area. Can I come in and sit all day and talk to your patients? They'd throw me out on my air. But God arranged a way for me to get in there for six months, unhindered, and talk to as many people as I could about Jesus. 
One of those times, and I've shared it with you before, but it's just stuck into my mind and heart. I was laying on the radiation table as they were prepping me for my radiation treatment. And the Lord put in my heart that he wanted me to minister to the radiology tech. And so I began speaking to her and I started to ask her where she was from and do you have any family? And when I asked about family, she just began to tear up and open her heart and begin to pour out her life story. She's crying. I'm saying, God, don't let her make a mistake and fry me to death on this radiation machine. But she told me how she'd been with a boyfriend, how she got pregnant, how the moment he found out she was having a child, he left her, and now she was struggling as a single mother. She has no family in the area, and she just started to pour out her life. And as she shared her struggle, the tears were running down her face as she's trying to hook me up. And I began to tell her how much Jesus loved her and that she was not alone. And she listened, and, and I ministered to her. And every time I went, I would talk to her a little bit more about Jesus. The, last, the next to last week that I was there, I bought her and another radiology tech that I had been ministering to, an easy-to-understand version of the Bible. And I inscribed it saying, thank you so much for the compassionate and kind way in which you treated me. It made a difficult situation a lot easier. And, and just put you know, words of encouragement there for them and gave them each one. And, and they thanked me and hugged me, and they were crying, and, and they said, you have such a different aura they didn't have spiritual language for it you know you have such a different aura every time you come in here we feel such peace and such joy and that was the presence of the Holy Spirit that was being made manifest to them but anyway that was the second to last week the last week that I was there uh, one of them the, the one I had ministered to that was crying the time before um, I'm laying on the table she comes in to hook me up and while she's hooking me up she leans down next to my ear and she says you know that book you gave me the Bible I said yes she said I keep it on my nightstand now and every night before I go to bed she said I'm reading it and I'm finding such peace and then she told me you know what I found a church in my area she lives up in Deerfield or she did at that time she said I found a church in my area and I went with my baby and I'm going to start going there and raise my child up in faith hallelujah to the name of the Lord we don't exist for ourselves, folks. God saves us, and he sends us. We can get so focused on what we are going through, but we need to remember that we are not here for ourselves. We are here for others. And this church is not here for us. It is here for this community. It is here for those that are yet to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not saying that we don't come here and we get ministered to and we get prayed for and we get encouraged. Yes, God does all of that to strengthen us and lift us up and equip us so that we can go out and minister to others. So don't let the disruptions of your life cause you to lose sight of what really matters in life, the mission of God. Don't let it lose, help you lose sight of those who need to know his love and hear the good news of the gospel. When we have a heart for God and for his house, we will have a heart for others. We'll have a heart for those that do not know Christ. Another principle, when we have a heart for his house, we will live on mission. When we have a heart for his house, we live with an awareness that wherever we are, we have been sent by God. 
When I used to work a secular job before entering into full-time ministry, every time I would go into that job, I would say, Lord, open an opportunity for me today to share Jesus with somebody. And I'll tell you, every secular job that I had before I was in full-time ministry, there were, if not one, there were several people who accepted Jesus Christ as Savior. Because you have to go with that sense, God has sent me here on mission. On mission. I'm not here or there because I have to work. You're there because you are God's missionary to that workplace. I'm not here or there because I have an errand to run or I have a doctor's appointment. I have been sent by God. Because most likely there is someone there that needs to hear that God loves them. There's somebody there that needs an encouraging word. There's somebody there that needs you to pray for them. There's somebody there that needs to know that there is a God who loves them and cares about their life. Hallelujah. Folks, that is our reason for being. That is the purpose for our lives as Christians. So like Jesus... If our heart is for the house of God, we will stop at nothing. We will give up anything. And we will do everything to welcome into his house, to welcome into the family of God, those who presently are separated from him. The good news about the mission is that it's not just ours. It was Jesus' mission as well. In Luke 19.10, he says, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. That's the reason that you're here today. It's because he was sent into this world to seek for us that we might be saved. And now he says, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. We are on a search and rescue mission. Hallelujah. There are lost people around us every day. Jesus left the glories of heaven to come to earth to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus' heart was to build the house of the Lord. He said, I will build my church. With what? With bricks and mortar? No, with people. I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. His heart should be our heart. That's what we should live for, to seek and to save those who are lost and to see the church of Jesus Christ built in our community. When we have a heart for his house, we intentionally seek out the lost. In Matthew 9, when Jesus spoke about the mission of his life in detail, the hypocritical religious leaders asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? What did they mean? Jesus was eating with sinful people, with people who in the eyes of the religious had a bad reputation. You know, I can't remember where I read it, but I remember a moving story of a pastor who, who had gone along with an inter, inner city missionary one night who did street work, street ministry. And as they were going about the work, you know, witnessing and reaching people on the street, the pastor made an observation about a prostitute that was standing on the street corner. And the inner city missionary quickly corrected him and said, no, pastor, she is not a prostitute. She is a woman caught up in the enslavement of the sex trade, and she needs Jesus to set her free. 
sometimes we label people, right? Oh, that's an alcoholic. Oh, that's a drug addict. Oh, that's a prostitute. No, they are a person precious in the sight of God who are caught captive to the chains of sin. And God loves them and he wants them to be set free so that they can know him and live a life for him. That story has always stuck with me. God forbid that we should ever look at anyone with the self-righteous attitude that the Pharisees had and say they're scum. To think that anyone is too sinful for God's love and God's grace to reach them. If we have that kind of self-righteous attitude, then we are the ones that need deliverance. We are the ones that God needs to set free. Let's pray that we will have the heart of Jesus that sees people who are caught in sin as people who are greatly loved by God and in need of salvation. Folks, we, we are here to minister to sinners so that they can meet Jesus, so that they can receive his forgiveness, so that they can experience the transforming work of the Holy Spirit. And I want us to understand that there is not a straight line to people experiencing change. You know, sometimes we think that the minute that they pray and accept Jesus, there should be a straight line to sanctification. That all of a sudden they should be holy because they accepted Jesus. Well, did you get holy right away when you accepted Jesus? Or was there some stuff still messed up in your life that you needed God to change? And I have news for you. He's still working on me. And he's still working on you. We are all a work in process. People will have issues. They'll have struggles. Just like many of us still have issues and struggles. And sometimes it can be a messy process. So if we have the heart of God, we should never have the self-righteous religious spirit that looks down on others sees them as scums, and judges them as unworthy. When Jesus heard the religious leaders, he said to them in that same chapter, verses 12 and 13, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Folks, we're here for the sick people. Everybody's sick, but the righteous don't think they are. Then he added, I want you to show mercy not offer sacrifices. What he was saying is, I want you to have compassion on these people. I don't want your empty outward rituals. That doesn't mean anything to me. But I want you to have compassion on the lost. God has called us to show mercy to people. And if we're not about reaching the lost and ministering to sinners, then our worship is just empty rituals, noisy clanging symbols, if we have not love. That's what Paul says. Someone said the church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. It's a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. 
Jesus went on to say in Matthew 9, 13, the latter part of that verse, he says, for I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners. Hallelujah. I've come to call not those who think they're righteous. Because when you think you're righteous, you don't need God. You don't need a savior. You're like, God, you know what? You, you are blessed to have me serve you. You know, that, that's kind of like the story Jesus told of, of the Pharisee and the, uh, and the uh, sinner that went into the temple. And the Pharisee came all the way down to the front. And he was like, God, I, I serve you. I give tithes, even of my spices. You are blessed to have me, God. And the sinner was in the back. And he bowed his head. He couldn't even look up. And he was, have mercy on me, Lord, I'm a sinner. And, and Jesus said, which one of those do you think went down to, to their house justified? Which one went down forgiven? the man who was humble and said have mercy on me not the one who was bragging of all his works to Jesus so Jesus said I've come to call those not those who think they're righteous but those who know they are sinners he said this to those very Pharisees who were calling the sinner scum and it was kind of like mic drop boom that's what I have to say about that we should never forget what it felt like to be lost because we were once sinners separated from God. There was a time when we didn't have hope. There was a time when we didn't know that Jesus loved us and cared about us. There was a time when we didn't know that we could call on his name and be forgiven. Do you remember what it was like to be lost? Paul says we were all once dead in our sins. And a dead person can't do anything to change their condition. Jesus saved us when we could do nothing for ourselves. We were broken, we were helpless, and we were without hope. This is the heart of our Savior. He came to seek and to save the lost. That's what he did for us. And may the church never forget that we are here to look for lost people and to reach them with the love of Jesus Christ. Our vision is to be a church not contained within walls. We don't exist just to gather and have a glory hallelujah time. We exist to go out from here. Our vision is to be a church not contained within walls, but reaching into every sector of our community in the love of God with the life-changing gospel of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit to make fully devoted followers of Christ to love God, love one another, love to serve, and love the lost because those are the four marks of a true disciple, a true follower of Christ. If you remember what it felt like when you first found hope in Jesus, if you remember what the Lord has done to change your life, you will have a heart for his house, for his people, for his mission, for his work in the world. I love the church because of what the church has done in my life. And if God has used his church to touch, to bless, to minister to your life, then you ought to have a heart for his church. And if you have a heart for his house, to what extent will you go to seek and to save the lost? To what extent will you go to fulfill his mission and to build his church? To what extent will you inconvenience yourself for the lives of others? God is calling new life. Say, that's me. That's me. Let me say that again. God is calling new life. That's, that's, me. Me. that's me. To live intentionally, intentionally. in the daily rhythm 
of our life to seek out those who are lost and help connect them to Jesus. That's why we do things like what we're doing right now with the Pray and Share campaign. I hope you haven't forgotten about that. But we had you identify a couple weeks ago three people in your life. Amen. Do you remember that? How many of you remember that? All right. Identify three people in your life that need Jesus. And we are to be praying for them. And as we come up, we're praying for them this entire month. And as we come up on the beginning of April, we want to share Jesus with them and invite them to the house of the Lord for Easter. Amen. Because that's the time they're most open to come. And we're going to have nice invite cards for you available and everything. But that's why we do things like that to remind us that we are to live on mission. We don't exist for ourselves. We exist to seek and to save that which was lost. We do things like that to create an intentionality. We do saturate Saturdays on a regular basis and invite the whole church to join our evangelism team as they go out into the community because we want to remind us that we are here to seek and to save the lost and we need to be intentional about doing so. I'm gonna close the service a little bit differently today. I wanna invite up somebody who is living intentionally on mission. My heart excites me when I see people doing this because I know they're getting it. I know they're growing spiritually and the heart of God is being formed in their heart. So I want to invite up somebody that I believe is living intentionally on mission. And they're going to share for two or three minutes and then I'm going to come back and close the message. Claire, would you come up here? Claire works for a rideshare service. Amen. Come right up here. And I just love to hear the stories of how Jesus is using her. So, Claire, if you would, just share for a couple minutes. I'll shake, you talk. She's very nervous for being up here. Absolutely. Good morning, family of God. Okay, so God has placed me in in a pivotal place. Um, And what I want to say to that end is what door that God opens, no man can shut. Amen. Amen. So I remember when I first started, um, the first people would ask me about my faith sign in my car, or they would ask me, are you a Christian? I have a question for you about tithing or whatever. And I would pray for those who were crying, who would get in the car, they're crying, or they, you know, not having a good day, or um, going to take a test. You know, I would pray with them, and at that point, that's when I started learning more and more that these people are ready to listen, right? So um, this past winter, I started going out more. And then the rains came, the hurricanes, the street floodings, and I decided I wanted to go get a backup job to work from home. And because I did that, I started shooting myself in the foot, okay, as far as my income. So then January came, where I lost the taste for working from home. And I just quit all those home jobs, and I decided to just seek after people. And I didn't, uh, God told me, I didn't tell you to go get a backup job. This is what I called you to do. And once that happened, oh, my goodness, such rain just started in my my car. Um, There's such a boldness that comes over me every day when I get started, and I open my mouth, the Holy Spirit takes over. And it started two by two. I was watching a two by two sermon, I think from The Chosen, and two by two kept coming to the Lord, kept coming to the Lord. And I swear, every week, every week, the numbers are just doubling. I mean, 
it's I just shake because mm -hmm. I know this is God this yeah. is him this is nothing that I'm doing so it went from six then it went to 12 then it went to 18 in a week amen to 26 I mean it just keeps going amen. I mean four children would get in the car and all of them would say the sinner's prayer and amen. just to hear this chorus of voices yeah. it's just amazing what God is doing so you know whatever wherever he's placed you amen. please go after them amen. because amen. sometimes I don't even want to open my mouth and then the Holy Spirit says speak amen. and that person is ready primed and ready it's nothing that I've done amen. so um, just do what you what he's called us to do this is these are the last days amen. he's coming very amen. soon amen. amen amen thank you thank you so much Claire give her a great big hand amen I just wanted her to come up because, you know, sometimes we think, well, I can't do that, you know. But Claire's just an ordinary person like you are. Amen. You know, because I can share my story about what happened when I was going through cancer treatment. You say, well, that's you, Pastor. But you know what? She's just an ordinary person. In fact, when I asked her to speak up here, she said, Pastor, I don't like to talk in front of people. You know, and I know a bunch of you have that, that fear as well. I have that fear, by the way. I don't like talking in front of people. God helps me every day when I get up here. I'm being honest, you know. But you know what? When we say, God, have your way, God, use me, God will give us the boldness. He'll give us the power. He'll open the doors. Amen. And I, I just love talking to her because every time I talk to her, she said, oh, pastor, uh, today I had three people that prayed the sinner's prayer with me. And then she takes the church invite cards that we have, and she gives them and invites them to come. Amen? And it's just so exciting to see somebody living on mission. I jokingly tell her that, that her vehicle is Claire's Salvation Mobile because she, <laughs> she's driving about town bringing people to Jesus. Amen? But that's the way God wants us to live. He wants us to live intentionally, reaching the lost. We are here to seek and to save the lost. Amen. And we are to do it diligently, as we read earlier, right? Yeah. Be careful. Be diligent. Yeah. We are to do it diligently. And, and, and we are to have a heart to build his house, which includes his mission. It includes building up his people. It includes uh, making sure that the church is functioning to the full effectiveness that it can to reach and disciple the lost. And so today... I want to ask you a question. Do you have a heart for the church? Has the church blessed you? Has the church made a difference in your life? Have you encountered Jesus here at New Life? Have you grown in your relationship with him? Have you been ministered to here at New Life? If so, do you have a heart for his house and its mission? And if you do, I want to call all of us to make a fresh commitment today in several ways. A fresh commitment to pray daily for the church. And the church is not this building. The church is us. To pray for God's people. That he would renew us. That he would empower us. That he would strengthen us. And that he would use us in this community. Pray for the church that God would supply everything that is needed for the continued ministry of his church. So pray daily for the church. I want to encourage everybody to get involved in serving, in ministering in some way. And there are many ways that you can serve. You know, if you're not comfortable speaking to people, you can be a part of the media ministry. 
You know, we, we always need people for projection, for live stream. For, they're reaching the world. You know why? We have people all around the world watching us by live stream, hundreds of people on a Sunday morning, a couple hundred people on a Wednesday night, all around the world watching us, and they are reaching the world by enabling people all around the world to see the messages and be a part of our services. So if, if, if you don't like talking in front of people, you can volunteer and be a part of that. You can volunteer and be a part of our children's ministry, be in our nursery, and help parents to come in, know their children are being taken care of and taught about Jesus at their level, and the parents can come in here and they can relax and they can hear Jesus about Jesus undistracted, and they can be ministered to. So you're reaching lives in two ways. You're reaching the children and you're reaching their parents by enabling them to hear the service. You can, you can be a part of our hospitality team, being an usher, a greeter, and just being an expression of God's love when people walk through those doors so that they will feel accepted, so they'll feel cared for, so that they'll feel valued, so their heart will be open to hear about a God who loves them and accepts them and values them and wants to save them. A vital part of the ministry. There's so many ways in which you can get involved. And if you want to volunteer for ministry, you can take one of the blue connection cards on the back of your pew. Just fill out your information for contact on the front, on the back. Flip it over. Check off what ministry you would like to be a part of. And then you can hand it to any of our ushers or myself on the way out. And one of our ministry leaders will contact you. If you play an instrument or you sing and you'd like to be a part of the worship team, you can, you can put that on the card as well. And Pastor Tony will reach out to you. There's so many ways that you can serve and we encourage you to do that so that we can build his house together amen you can also commit to giving if you're not yet giving your tithe that that's the the minimum of what God requires from us is the tithe the 10 percent of our income and if you're not yet doing that then I encourage you to commit to start doing that you will be amazed at how God is going to bless you because he promised that if we would tithe he'd open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that we have not room enough to receive and if you're already tithing, then I want to encourage you to make a faith commitment that says, God, if you'll provide it, I'll give it. And you're going to make a faith commitment to build the house of the Lord. And you can do that by taking one of the red cards on the back of your pew that says heart for the house, and you can make a commitment. However you choose to commit this morning, let us all have a heart for God's house and let us all unite together to see God's mission and God's purpose advanced in this community. And we're going to give you an opportunity to respond to the altar in just a moment. But I want to speak first to those who do not yet know Jesus. And I want you to know that he loves you beyond your wildest imagination. You are not here by accident. You are here because God has been working in your life to draw you unto himself. You see, we all need Jesus. We have all sinned and our sin has cut us off from God. But when we repent of our sins and the word repent means to turn away from. It means we make a U-turn. We recognize that we've been on the highway of sin headed towards destruction. And we've been headed in the wrong direction. We don't want to live that way anymore. We make a U-turn and we say, God, forgive me of all of my sins. I turn to you in faith and I ask you to come live inside of me and help me to live for you. And the moment we do that, Jesus says we're born again. We're made spiritually alive. And we're brought into relationship with God as his sons and daughters. And so if you're here today or you're listening online and you have not yet prayed to repent of your sins and place your faith in Jesus, or maybe you did so several years ago and you've drifted away, but you can feel the Lord tugging at your heart, I want to invite you to pray with me in just a moment. Would you bow your heads? Close your eyes. Is there anyone here today in person 
that would say, pray for me, Pastor. I want to come to Jesus. I want my sins to be forgiven, and I want to have a relationship with God. Is there anyone? Just slip your hand right up. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't see any here in person, but I'm going to pray in the event that there's some that are listening to us online. And if you're here and, and you didn't raise your hand, pray this with me right now. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God, and I believe that you love me so much that you died for my sins. Today, I repent. I confess that I'm a sinner, and I ask you to forgive me of all of my sins, and I invite you to come live inside of me. Help me from this day forward to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed that prayer and you meant it, we congratulate you. This uh, is the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life, and it's the beginning of a lifelong relationship with Jesus. But it is a beginning, not an ending. You need to grow in your relationship with the Lord. And uh, to do that, I encourage everybody to do three things. Talk to God every day. That's prayer. Secondly, let God talk to you every day. You say, how does he talk to us, Pastor? The number one way is through the Bible. And so we encourage you, if you don't have a printed version of the Bible, download the YouVersion app, Y-O-U version app on your tablet or phone. It's free. You can read there as often as you want. There's never a charge. Start reading in 1 John and just ask God to help you understand what you're reading and put it in practice in your life. And then thirdly, get connected to a local Assembly of God church family. If you're here, of course, we invite you to be a part of our church family. We have a wonderful church family that will love you, walk alongside of you, encourage and support you and help you grow. If you're out of this area, find an Assembly of God church near to you and put down roots. Don't just attend, but build relationships. That's what's going to help you to grow in your relationship with the Lord. But if you just prayed that prayer in person, you can text I prayed to the number on the screen online, type I prayed, and we want to send you free of charge a little booklet to help you to know the steps that you need to take to keep growing in your relationship with the Lord. But we need your name and email address to do so. So if you would, if you're in person, text I prayed. If you're online, type I prayed. You'll get a response message from us with a link. Click the link, fill in your name and your email address, and we'll be happy to send you this booklet free of charge. But once again, congratulations on making the best decision of your life. For those of us who already know Jesus, I want to encourage you this morning to pray and say, Lord, make me and make this the church you're calling us to be. Help me to be careful, to be diligent, to provide whatever you need for your house to be built. If you've been blessed and ministered to by this church, pray, God, give me a heart to love this church. Give me a heart for your house, for its mission, for its work. And I commit myself, Lord, to do whatever you need me to do to help build your church and advance your kingdom. I will pray, I will serve, and I will give, and I will witness so that your mission can be fulfilled and your church can be built. If that's your heart's desire, would you stand to your feet and just make your way to this altar? for just a few moments to say, Lord, I will be diligent to do whatever it takes to build your house. I will pray. I will serve in ministry. I will witness and I will give so that your mission can be fulfilled and your house can be built.
Speak to the Lord right here at this altar from your own heart as you make this commitment to him. Heavenly Father, we just stand before you this morning. We thank you for those who went before us, Lord God, who paved the way for this church to be here so that today we could stand here and, and be a part of this body of Christ and be ministered to by this church. But, but it's our time to step up, Lord God, and make sure that this church is here for those yet to come, for those that need Jesus. And so, Lord, as we stand before you this morning, we pray, God, give us a heart for your house, that we would love your church, that we would have a passion for your work, Lord God, for your kingdom. Father, we commit as we stand before you here today to pray daily for the work of your kingdom in this house, Lord God, to pray for your people, Lord Jesus, that they would be strengthened, that they would be ministered to, and that they would be equipped, Lord God to pray against the works of darkness that attack your church and your people as we're doing your work. We commit ourselves to be prayer warriors. Father, we commit ourselves this morning to, to work, to serve, Lord God, to get involved in the work of the ministry, Lord, so that this church can be built up, Lord God, and the ministries expanded. Father, we commit ourselves today to be faithful witnesses, Lord God, to wherever we go out, to live intentionally on mission, to reach people in our workplace, to reach people in our doctor's office, to reach people in the grocery store, Lord God, to reach people wherever you have sent us, oh God. Help us to live intentionally on mission. And Father, we commit ourselves to give faithfully, Lord, to the support of your work in this house, Lord God. And I know that you will bless your people as you have promised in your word. Father, we make this commitment to you. And we pray that even though the spirit is willing, we know the flesh is often weak. So when the service is ended, we pray that your Holy Spirit would continue to move in our heart and to remind us of this commitment, Lord God, that we may bring honor and glory to your name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. If you were blessed by this message, would you consider giving a gift To help support our ministry, you can text any amount to 954-516-1522. That's 954-516-1522. Thank you, and we hope you will join us again.